1: Back everybody to another episode of Bub and the Batflip, episode thirty nine. You can find me on Twitter at bdintric, and my co-host as always on a Monday night, you can find him on Twitter at batflipcrazy. Toby, how are we doing, man?
2: We're doing great, Bubba. You know, it's it's. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. It's a little bit of a heat wave we're having here in in California. Um, not too bad where I'm at, high eighties, but it sounds like a little hotter for you. So I grabbed some ice cream. I've actually been to three. I've been out like, well, I've been out more than three times, but like I've actually been to an establishment that serves food three times during quarantine and all three times it has been for ice cream. <laughs> so that shows you where my priorities are at. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You got to keep the kiddos happy. So that's good. Oh, a- very, absolutely. Very good. They made, they made an absolute disaster in the car. Like they both <laughs> got chocolate and like my three-year-old had chocolate. He had this new like white harry potter shirt which probably is gonna get like is now pretty much defunct but um (laughs) he had he had a blast they got rainbow sprinkles on there they were just in heaven so it was it was a great day
1: they got chocolate wasted so that's good that's (laughs) really good so but that's fun fun stuff yeah really got up to about low hundreds high 90s today it's gonna be hot for three more days looking forward to it but usually baseball's going on during this so it's all good and you know we're not going to get into the politics of it but we're recording on a monday night tuesday the owners are supposed to be giving their newest proposal i'm still not thinking it's going to be what the players want to see but hopefully it's closer so they can make a couple more tweaks and we have some good news by the end of the week because i've said since day one they have to about the end of may to get things going start the spring training in june if we want to play in july so it's time to start putting the Some feelings aside and getting some things figured out. So both sides are happy, as happy as they can be, because someone's going to be mad in every negotiation. So that's just the way things go. But um, you talked about it last week, and we're going to kind of hit on it this week. The idea of this season coming up, there's going to be three divisions, the East, Central, West, both AL and NL from East, Central, West in the same division. Three 10-team divisions, hopefully limiting travel, so on and so forth. I, I was looking it up before the show. The idea is that you're only going to play inside your division. So that's part of the conversation we're going to have tonight, how it benefits this, that, and the other. Um, it's weird because originally I heard it was like two-thirds of your game. Say you're the AL West, two-thirds against the AL West, the other thirds versus the NL West. Then I saw somewhere you play each team nine times. I'd make 81 games. Um, I've seen a few different scenarios. So I don't know the exact numbers. I'd imagine you face your division a little more, and then the others, maybe it's spread wide open. Not 100% sure on that just yet. Have you heard anything for certain on the idea of the schedule?
2: Yeah, I haven't heard anything for certain. I mean, what I'm kind of going with is all the proposals that I saw that were reported on kind of most recently when the owners um, put together their safety protocols was that, yeah, they would be sticking in the division. And from from what it sounded like, they would be playing... Um, mostly against their own, their own league. So AL East would play the AL East more, but then they would cross over and play the NL East. What um, I saw a good article by one of the people that used to put together the schedule for major league baseball. And the suggestion that they had was essentially 13 games, you know, within the division against each opponent and then six games, against the opposite leagues opponents. So like, again, in the example of the AL East, like the Yankees and Red Sox would play each other 13 games um, or, or 12, they said, but you know, you could do, you could do 13 and one just has seven home games. One has six and kind of mix up who gets that. And then six uh, games against the opponent. So one at home and one away against the opposing division. And that would equal 81 games. If it was 78, games then it would just be 12 games against um uh each each team in your in your division i think something like that but that's what i'm what i'm kind of thinking is going to be what they end up going with just because you know they want to limit travel so sticking with those divisions makes a ton of sense and then if they're going to stick with the divisions you know they 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 i think want to make sure that like if, if they played each other an even amount of times you know, they would really, yeah, just have to make it like one 10, you know, one 10 team division, as opposed to separate ones to kind of get into the tournament. So hopefully that's what they're going with. Cause I did a little bit of research on the, uh on the, uh, for the podcast, just taking a look at some of the rotations and some of the projections for like war from starters and bullpens. And I was kind of thinking about it in that, with that lens. So Let's let's just say our number one priority is that they play and number two is that they have this division that we're investing time in now.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure if when they do play that it will be these three divisions. And I, and I'm I'm with you. I think it's like the two thirds, one third uh format. That's what I've I've heard more of. The the nines all around was a new one for me today. But um I think I think it is gonna be the two third, one third, because then they're gonna expand the playoffs and there's still gonna be like an AL and an NL playoff type of the format in order to do something like that, you have to play more AL teams. If you're in the AL, you would imagine. So that would make a lot of sense in that regard. So that'll be fun. Um, There's going to be a lot of fun chatter as we get more information on this. So this is kind of like a preliminary deal. We'll probably talk more about this kind of scenario once things are finalized and we know, okay, you got the DH here, you got this, that, and the other, the roster sizes, a lot of things will open up. And we'll kind of hit on some of those things tonight. But, um, the idea is to kind of get an idea, uh, run through on pitching, hitting that might benefit, so on and so forth, in each division. Toby's done a great work, job of uh kind of putting some some numbers together in a spreadsheet together of the pitching uh, for each team to kind of give us an idea, and with that you can correlate it to hitting, of course. So let's start in the Eastern Division. That'd be the AL East, NL East. Toby, um, we know the Yankees are monsters in the division. The Rays are going to be competitive. You have the defending World Series champion nationals. The Mets have great pitching. You always look at the Braves. It's a very interesting division because you, when we go through this, there's going to be some you can definitely be like, yep, pitching heavy. Some, yes, hitting heavy. When you look at the Eastern division, what stands out to you most from a pitching perspective?
2: Yeah, and so just before we hop into that, I just wanted to mention like from a methodology standpoint. So essentially what I did is – um, zips right now is the only projection system I can find that provides, um, war like accumulated by, um, different positions in the, in the team previews. So if you go to fan graphs under project or under teams, actually, um, you can take a, um, uh, you're actually, if you scroll all the way down, there's actually a zips uh, projection on the front page and then it lists them by team and it kind of breaks them down by position. And so what I did, it also breaks them down by bullpen versus starting pitchers. So essentially what I wanted to do is get a sense of like, okay, like we look at different divisions and in our mind, we want run through the different pitchers that are on each team. And we get a general sense of who might be good, who might be bad, but it's really hard to like differentiate in some cases, right? It's like, you know, a lot of the the divisions seem pretty balanced. So just trying to see like what might have an edge. And so I thought looking at something like war, at least on the pitching side, would be helpful because it just gives us a sense using a, a standard metric across the league, like what the war is projected to be by zips, by rotation and by bullpen for each division. And so um, when you look at, I'll start with the AL East. The AL East is kind of the Yankees and Rays. They, they are um, two of the leaders in, in all of baseball in terms of their pitching staffs. Uh, because they both have really good starting rotations and particularly deep rotations, and they have really good bullpens too. And one of the thing about the depth, so with the with calculating the war for starters and, and the bullpen, um, what I did is I didn't just take the five starters who are in the rotation. I took the war of like the six or seven guys who are kind of competing for spots or who would come in to be kind of the six starters. And that just gives you a sense of like who has depth. And who doesn't? And so that's just one caveat that I'll put out there too. But, you know, the Rays actually have the best pitching staff, according uh, by war in all of baseball, uh, 23.4. Their starters are rock solid at 17.6. Their bullpen um, has 5.8 war, which is, is one of the better bullpens in the league. And I think the key with them is just the depth, you know, and they also have some diversity of righties and lefties, which I think is important to think about because with teams being stuck in these divisions, I think the lefty-righty splits for pitchers is going to be really, really critical. And I think I'll talk a little bit about that more. But the Rays are one at 23.4 total, Yankees second at 21.5, and then a steep drop-off. And actually the Blue Jays are up next. Uh, they, they have a decent depth in their starting rotation, um, not like anybody that you would say is a great pitcher, but they're certainly not like Orioles-caliber pitchers. The Red Sox are god awful. I think that's one thing is we've we've historically grown accustomed to the Red Sox having a good rotation with Chris Sale, David Price, but they're both gone, right? So their starters are actually among the worst in the league. They're actually worse than the Mariners starters. They're projected to be worse than the Mariners starters, and that's even with Erod and Aovaldi in there. Um, so they're they're pretty bad. And then the Orioles are the worst pitching staff by WAR in all of baseball at six at six point eight WAR uh their bullpen is almost projected to have as much war as the starters and so i actually think the al east when it comes to um to starting pitching it is uh the worst division right now according to war um cumulative but it also has the best bullpens in the league and so that'll be kind of an interesting dynamic to see but if you're if you're we'll get to the hitting in a little bit but i think the al east at least i would be targeting um some of my hitters uh, in that division I don't know what are you what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah it's it's going to be interesting because with the Yankees we, we know they have a loaded starting rotation but you're relying on like J.A. Happ you're relying on Tanaka and Paxton and hopefully Paxton stays healthy we got Montgomery you got Lois Sega, you got a bunch of guys there so the talent level strong Garrett Cole has to make up a gigantic chunk of that war one would imagine um, and, and that helps a, a lot there because after Cole you know, it's a bunch of guys that can eat some innings but also have a bunch of question marks. So it could be interesting uh, it, with that one. Like, if, you know, you have a righty-heavy lineup, you get a, a weekend of Paxton Happ in Montgomery, and I'm a big Paxton fan, you can still have some fun out there. So that that could be an interesting one there. Um, I agree. The Red Sox are god-awful. Like, I'm a big Erod fan. But then after that, it's like, Evaldi I've drafted in places super late because he's got strikeout upside. We saw the velocity increase in spring things to kind of be excited about there, maybe in a shortened season that it's them because they're paying them a bunch of money. That could be interesting. But after that, it's just, like you said, absolutely horrific. Um, Blue Jays, that number is more of a, I think, courtesy to these guys are innings eaters and they're going to help you like stay in games, mm-hmm. kind of like a bunch of J.A. Haps out there in theory. Um, they're not going to be flashy. Ryu's good, but the rest is a mess. But yeah, the Rays are just beasts. And like you said, it's a real testament to their depth because – you know, you, you said it's Morton, Snell, Glassnob, and you got Trinos, Yarborough. Uh, We were talking a couple pods ago. It had to have been or some conversation along the way. If you pull up the roster resource page of the Tampa Bay Rays, it is absolutely ridiculous the pitching options they have because you mentioned those five starters. You still have guys like Jalen Beeks, who we saw spot start at times last year. You go down to their minor league system, and it just continues to get deeper and deeper Um at the starting position, you got Brendan McKay down there. you got Anthony Banda, who was a big trade asset at one time, and Trevor Richards. So that's three really, really strong spots there. So they'll have depth for days. They know how to use a pitching staff and a, a bullpen, like you said. They're going to enjoy that expanded roster that we'll eventually talk about when that's all finalized. So that's, that's a big, big plus for the Rays. And then when you mentioned the Orioles, my goodness – I think you or I like could have a chance to put up a couple of war points more than some of these guys. <laughs> if we just went out like looking at this number, like the Marlins have like three, almost a full three war points ahead of uh, the Orioles. And I hope I'm saying that right. War points. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what to call it, but uh, yeah, just,
2: just war. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it,
1: it's, it's, it's bananas looking at the, how bad the Orioles are. Like, like we know they're bad. We've seen them in Camden yards. And and this is with John means who people like We've, You know, there's times last year, Toby. We were talking to Asher Wojciechowski and the off-speed pitches he brings to the table, and what this could be. And then you look at these numbers, and you know the bullpen's horrific. It's terrible. Like I like Hunter Harvey. Maybe they're not kind of they're not all sold on him, so that's kind of affecting things a bit. Uh, You got Michael Givens, jury's out on him. But as a whole, that Orioles team is bad, 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 bad. So you're right. There's there's some interesting um interesting bats to choose from because I'm going to bring. Well, we'll talk about the bats in a second, but. You're right. If you're going to get pitching, like I'm, the Yankees number stands out to me. Is it's, it's a big plus, and they got a lot of nice matchups uh, against like the Orioles and it's maybe some teams in the NL East. But I think that Cole number is going to be the big reason why they're so high. I think the Rays have a big mm-hmm. advantage in the AL East.
2: Yeah, and that's one thing that's interesting in going through these WAR numbers is there's very few rotations that have depth. Like you have guys, you know, you have like uh, the Nationals or like the Yankees you mentioned, I mean, Cole has the most uh, projected war of any pitcher, um, but you have the Nationals who have like three great pitchers, right? But their starting, starting war still isn't the best in even the National League because they don't have the depth because they have Anibal Sanchez, they have Austin Boff, Joe Ross, you know, kind of in the back end of that rotation. And I think that's the story of most teams with the exception of like the Rays and the Dodgers. The Rays actually have more starting pitching war um, projected than the Dodgers do, which I actually found kind of surprising. But they do have that depth that you mentioned, even beyond those top five. And those top five are just so so solid. And and I think one thing that you mentioned, which was a really good point, is with Paxton, Happ, and Montgomery in that Yankees rotation, you can see where if you have a you know a lefty platoon guy, you know a, a hitter who the strong side of the platoon. Against the Yankees, you may not be in a position to start them if you're catching two of those guys or even three of those guys. So that might diminish a little bit of the value because there's 10 lefties and 15 righties in the projected 25 starting pitchers in the AL East. And that 10 left-handed pitchers is actually tied with the NL West for most. So it's not going to be the best division in the world to have the strong side of the platoon in.
1: Yeah, too bad Steve Pierce retired. He could be a fun cheapie for the Red (laughs) Sox, like in those... Uh, weekend series on NFBC, pick them up for a buck playing to start all three games versus Yankees. See what happens. That could be entertaining. Uh, little things like that. So let's transition to the hitting for the AL East. I know we'll kind of bring it all together. We'll bring back, or do you want to do the NL East pitching now? We can go either uh, We way. can
2: do, we could do pitching, hitting AL East uh, pitching and hitting that way. It's That's just okay. fresh in our minds.
1: Okay. So let's go to the AL East hitting then. And so like what stands out to me right out the gate, and we've talked about these guys time and time again, but when you see those late lefties in this division, the baby Blue Jays are going to feast at times, like absolutely feast that lineup, even the great chicks and the Oscars that you talk about. Like that mm-hmm. just gets me all giddy thinking about that Blue Jays lineup and hitter friendly ballparks like Rogers Center or whatnot against that. These lefties like Martin Perez of the Red Sox, like give me all of that. That seems like so much fun. John Means, Wade LeBlanc, people. Wade LeBlanc is a starting pitcher <laughs> in baseball still. So um I'm just telling you, like, the baby Blue Jays stand out. What other things stand out to you looking at this AL East, considering, like, we're going to hit on – they're going to face each other two-thirds of the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think I want to – all things being equal, the AL East is the place where I want to have hitters, um, especially hitters on the Yankees. I think they get a boost, Right. Like, yes, they have to go against the Rays, which will be some tough matchups. But other than that, they have the Red Sox, who are god-awful. They have the Blue Blue Jays, who are very mediocre. And then you have the Orioles, which are the worst pitching staff in all of baseball. So I think the Yankees hitters get a little bit of bump. I think the Rays hitters, the challenge, like you mentioned, is there's just so much depth in that team, both hitting and pitching. It's like the guys who are going to be batting all the time, like maybe Willie Adamas gets a little bit of a bump you know, as a righty in that lineup, who's probably going to be playing every single day, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of a bump there. Um, but, you know, maybe, uh, you know, your Austin Meadows or the, your, the guys on the Rays who are playing all the time, just because they have the Orioles, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox for so many games. I think those are guys, um, you know, that I might go after with the Blue Jays. You mentioned, maybe it benefits Vlad, um, but like, let's say uh, Kevin Biggio, you know, that's one guy who it might not help out very much. The fact that he has to face, you know, three lefties in the AL, uh, in the Yankees rotation, uh, two lefties in, with the Red Sox. Obviously, Martin Perez isn't terrific, but even he was decent against lefties last year. Um, and then the Rays have two as well. And even the Orioles have two um, with Means and LeBlanc. So, you know, I just think it's something that since they're staying in that division, it gives us a much more concrete idea of who the matchups might be factoring in in like that started that pitchers are going to need to churn and things like that. But um, really, I mean, the Yankees, because, you know, their bullpen also has almost seven war out of the 22 war for the division. So, um, you know, I just think the Yankees hitters get a little bit of an uptick in in my book um, because they're um, yeah, because they're going to have, I think, some really, some really nice matchups.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that uh, with that Yankees bullpen, the Rays bullpen, both very solid. Both those managers know how to get the most out of it. Now if they have a couple extra pitchers on the, the roster to even, you know, mold it some more. They're going to have a lot to go off of there. So that's very strong. But, like, that Red Sox bullpen is oh so bad. The, Yan- uh, the, the Jays outside of Giles doesn't really scream a lot. And then, obviously, the Orioles. Like, we don't have to go deep into that. Not pretty. But um, it will be interesting to see how the bats take shape here, like you're saying – uh, in the East, there is a lot of power. Like the Yankees are obviously going to feast. That's a big one. Um, we're going to have to really hope that the beat reporters. I don't know how they're going to, how much access they're going to get because you see, sporting events now they're allowing like three, four, five media guys, not a ton uh, at, at events. So I don't know how the beat reporter stuff's going to go, but it'll be great to hear any little bit we can. I know it was like a week or so ago on MLB Tonight, Joe Girardi was on there, and one of the guys, Vasikurjan or one of them, asked him. How would he? How is he going to handle his his roster, even with an expanded roster on a shortened season? And he says he thinks it's going to be even better to push the starters more because it's more of a sprint, so they don't like they've. I guess they as long as they come in in good shape, he says, which they've been reporting that they are apparently. He says he's going to be able to push these guys even more, so that'll be interesting to see if that's the way. Because I know what I've heard, and maybe you've heard. It seems like there's maybe more days off, more using the expanded roster. So it's going to be really interesting to see how we uh, roster build. That's probably a, another discussion for another day. But um, it will be a, a very, very key port when you're looking at the, the bats here to get those stable, like you said, with the Rays. Lots of good options, but who is going to play every day outside? We, we've talked about it before. Like Meadows seems pretty safe for the most part. Adamas seems pretty safe as well. And then it gets kind of murky. Like There's a couple of guys you can plant your flags on a little bit. Maybe it gives a boost to a guy like Yandy Diaz with all the lefties. That could be tremendous. Um, but we'll have to kind of keep an eye on all that. All right, uh, NL East pitching. This uh, we we have some decent arms here, to say the least, but uh, not quite Razor Yankees style. What are you seeing in the NL East?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the AL East or the NL East does not have any dominant um, pitching staffs. I think there's a lot of teams that are pretty similar. Like there's four teams between. 17.9 war and 16.1 war. So you have the top is the nationals, not necessarily surprisingly, but they're really rotation heavy. They have one of the higher starting pitcher wars in the, in all of the NL, not surprisingly again, because the Strasburg are in Corbin, but their bullpen um, is, is pretty bad. I think they have the worst bullpen in the NL East, this side of uh, of the Marlins. And, um, so, you know, that's, that's solid. Uh, the Braves, 17.7, they're buoyed a little bit by their bullpen, which obviously with the addition of some of the arms they had this offseason, has taken what people are presuming is a big jump forward about five war. Um, when you look at the Mets, remember Syndergaard's out for the year and that really hurts them. Um, you normally think of the Mets and you're not excited to face them necessarily, unless you, you need stolen bases. But you got Degrom. But after Degrom, you have Porcello, Stroman, Mats, Waka. Obviously, Stroman and Waka, or Stroman and Mats, I think, are solid enough. But they're nowhere near having that kind of Cinder Guard presence in the rotation. So that falls them like a little bit back with folks. Um, then you have the Phillies at sixteen point one, and the Phillies are all right-handed. That's one thing to note. They have no lefties scheduled to be in their rotation right now. And so they're going to be a really nice team for some of your lefty hitters. And this division as a whole is going to be really nice for, for uh, lefty hitters. Um, five left-handed pitchers out of the 25 scheduled starting pitchers right now, um, which is the lowest of any division. And then you have the Marlins at 9.4 war, which is one of the worst rotations in the league. Obviously some of their guys you know, could take pretty big leaps forward, but right now their projected war is low and their bullpen is also projected to be pretty bad. So really the Marlins just at the bottom there, everybody else kind of fighting in in mediocrity, if you will. Um, so an interesting, definitely an interesting dynamic. Like the Nats definitely, I think, have the best uh, rotation. But outside of that, everybody's paired pretty equally.
1: I guess it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, because going into every season, at least last couple of years and even this year, uh, before everything got shut down, The NL East always felt like a division where you can make arguments for the Braves, Nationals, Mets, and Phillies to all have a chance to win the division. Like they're all super talented in one way or another either. Really, really good offense, really, really good pitching, kind of a little bit of both. And you can kind of see that with these war designations here. Uh, Lots of question marks also because like does Soroka continue it? Does free take the next step? What fault going to show up? you got Hamels and Felix with the Braves. So it can be really, really good, or you can see that whole thing exploding because mm-hmm. it's young guys that are volatile, old guys that might just not have it. So that could make things quite interesting there and then their bullpen it's better than most in the division might have to get used a lot. They might have to call up like a Kyle Wright or some of these other young arms, maybe kind of being long swingmen out of the back end after like a Felix or a Hamels that can't do the do the do the deed basically. So that could be interesting when it comes to teams like the Braves, the Nats like you said, Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, there's nothing to hide there. Then it gets a little interesting like can Annibal really be that kind of quality start machine again? Is, does he really have that? We've talked about, you know, the, the fastball isn't great. He's using other pitches. He's locating well. Eventually, that whole smoke and mirrors is going to disappear, and it's going to get really ugly really quick. So that'll be interesting. Uh, the Mets, yeah, you hit on that one strong because Stroman and Mets, I, I am a fan of. They were better when they were like the 3-5 and five or 4-5 and five in the rotation, like with Porcello and Waka as well. does make things murky. Um, the Phillies will have ha- Howard, most likely Spencer Howard at some point, so that'll help a ton – if Eflin or Velasquez can't get it done because we haven't seen them do it time and time again, which Jake Arietta shows up. And you mentioned the all-righty lineup there. You can got – you know, Soto's got to be licking his chops. You got the likes of Conforto and Nimo. You have Freeman, Albies. Like there's got to be a lot to like with some of those bats going mean, against the Phillies in Citizens Bank Paul, Citizen Bank Park, that, that that band box there in Philadelphia. So that, that's a good call there on the, the all-righty rotation because I don't even think there's like a big-time lefty coming up anytime soon that they can call on outside of like relievers. So that's going to be really interesting there. And then, yeah, the Marlins, their starters are strong, actually, all things considered from what you'd expect from the Marlins. Um, they, they've moved up quite a bit with the, the Al- Alcantara and, and Caleb Smith and whatnot, but their bullpen's atrocious, absolutely atrocious. So they're going to continue to be the bottom feeders. Uh, it's a very interesting setup. Even the Mets, only the one lefty in Matts who doesn't go deep in a game, so they're going to get bullpen action. So it might not hurt your lefties as much in in the grand scheme of things. The Nationals only have the one lefty in Corbin, like you said. So you know the the Braves have two lefties, and the that's it. So they're the only team with like the super kind of left right left right advantage going into a series if you're setting your lineup to make things difficult. So very interesting with this division, as you were saying.
2: Yeah, you- and I mean, what? Oh, go ahead.
1: No, sorry, no, go for it.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, and like I know, I like. I'm just looking at these, these divisions and the NL East pitchers are in a little bit of a tough spot. I mean, if you think about it, like the Braves have a, have a great lineup, at least top half of the lineup, but a pretty solid uh, lineup. The Nationals have a very good lineup despite losing Rendon. They're still solid. Mets have a solid lineup. And remember, we're talking adding the DHs here too. Phillies have a very solid lineup as well. You know, Marlins obviously don't, but that's pretty, that's four pretty solid lineups. And then when you cross over, you go against the Yankees, the Red Sox, you know, the Blue Jays and Orioles, I think are the weaker two in that division, but you know, there isn't much let up there outside of, you know, say the Marlins and the Orioles. I think you're facing some pretty good offensive teams. So if you're kind of on the fence, obviously DeGrom is DeGrom, you know, Scherzer, Scherzer, Strasburg, Strasburg you know um, don't necessarily shy away from those guys but if you're kind of trying to decide if there's if, if there's guys that are pretty close together like let's say you're trying to debate between like Freed and maybe you know Gallon or somebody like that you know that mm-hmm. might make you think a little bit more about you know uh, push push them down a little bit compared to some of the guys where who are going in a similar spot than they are.
1: That's a great point. That might be something we should do next week. Is maybe make some like would you rather's like pick stuff out of each division, and you know, that like, that'll be that'll be close because that, that's a great call. Because I I've been Big Max free guy. I'm also big Zach Gallon guy. Like I'm not I like them both. I've had them in a lot of spots, but I've usually been taking freed over Gallon. But with this setup, like you just said, you really got to think Gallon does have the upper hand. of this this. this this difference in the whole situation when we get to the west you'll understand come on the Giants are crying out loud that's one of the matchups mm-hmm. right out the gate uh the Padres are gonna be good but still like Gallon's a lot better than people think so that, that's a very very good uh point there when you start breaking these things down that the, these eastern uh NL East especially lineups and then you know you flip them over we talked about with the AL East, you know the Yankees have a great lineup to build around here you mentioned those those lines like the Phillies the Nationals the Braves even the third of the games they play against the AL East, like, I'd love to see them. There's four righties in that Blue Days lineup or rotation. Those guys can get pounded by these, these lineups. The Orioles are god awful, like we talked about. Um, the, and the, the Red Sox, that, the, that's going to be a mess. So this, the NL East bats could be really interesting outside of, like, obviously, like you mentioned, there's aces they're going to face. But outside of those aces games, like the drop off from the ace to the next levels in some of these rotations is gigantic.
2: Yeah. And one thing too, with the shortened season, you know, this is all always difficult to do, but once these schedules come out and you take a look at them, you should get a pretty good sense of who the first three or four opponents for each starting pitcher is going to be and which lineups might miss certain aces. And normally like the first three or four games is whatever, you know, that's one tenth of the season you're talking about close to one third of the season, you know? So if you see that, like, for instance, you know, like the Braves ha- have, it looks like Freed is going to go up against the Marlins, you know, for two of his first three starts. Like that's pretty huge in the grand scheme of things. So the point, the point you, what you just brought up, like really being able to project out who are the likely opponents that these guys are going to go against in such a shortened season could really have a tremendous impact on how well each one of these pitchers do, and how well potentially hitters on different teams do as well.
1: Yeah, that'll be uh, definitely something we'll have to take a look at as we get some more details. Any final thoughts on the Eastern Division? It's uh, pretty top-heavy, the way I, I look at it at first kind of glance.
2: Yeah, I mean, generally, like overall for the East, I think I'm more a fan of the hitters in those uh, divisions than I am the pitchers, again, all things being equal, right? We don't want to weigh this too heavily, but I think all things being equal, I like the I like how it lines up for some of the hitters. And then I think for the pitchers, um, you know, I, I think it could be, it could be tough going with some of the lineups they have to face repeatedly on both sides.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And we'll kind of get a, a, a different contrast. Now when we head over to the central division, We'll start in the AL Central, Twins, Indians, White Sox, Royals, and Tigers. Well, just saying that out loud, you have some really good pitchers. They get to face the Royals and the Tigers quite a bit, which is going to be oh so nice. Um, so there's there's a lot to kind of take in right here. What did you see when you were first uh, looking at some numbers here?
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the AL Central has the worst uh, pitching overall. Um, so they're uh, about my math like at least four wins lower than any other division in baseball like four and a half wins lower than the next worst overall combined pitching I think what really stands out from the AL Central is how bad the bullpens are and while that may not seem like a big thing like the lack of depth I think and the fact that things could get bad quick in some of these in in, in, with some of these teams You know, really bodes well for some of the hitters here, especially when you think about, like, the Twins or the Indians hitters. You know, um, so the Indians have the best uh, starting pitching of any team, you know, at um, uh, 14.8, but only slightly better than the Twins because the Twins have a little bit more depth. You know, the Indians, they have that front three of Clevenger, Bieber, and Carrasco. But after that, it gets a little skeptical, right? Right now, roster resource has Adam Plutko. I think he's definitely supposed to be in there, and then they have Jelfree Rodriguez as the as the fifth guy. It could be Plezac, could be
1: you know, Savali too. Be, I um, think Savali's Sovalli. got a good
2: shot. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it could be slightly better, but um, again, it's not necessarily any sure things towards the back end of that rotation. Um, you know, but they have the best pitching overall, and then you have the Twins you know, and, and they're at 17.9 war pretty solid balance between the starters and the bullpen, um, actually. And then you think about the fact that they're clearly the best, I think, hitting team in the division, um, followed probably by the White Sox. I mean, the Indians have a very nice top of their lineup. Um, but you know, if if you're talking about just either one of those three teams hitters on the twins, the Indians or the White Sox, you know, generally speaking, I don't think outside of the Indians top three, you know, there's really any guys that you're super afraid to face, you know, maybe Giolito, but um, definitely you can see why you'd want to target hitters in this division. And then you have the Royals and you have the Tigers as well. One thing just to consider with both of those two teams is that, you know, they do each have two lefties. And so if, you know, um, and and they're pretty set, I think like Matt, uh, Matt Boyd is one and Daniel Norris is the other with the Tigers. And then Duffy and Montgomery are the ones with the Royals, so you may not get as much of a benefit from left-handed platoon split guys going up against those two teams. Just something to be cognizant of. But overall, yeah, I think it's an, an opportunity to exploit because you know even the White Sox, like they're close to the Twins in terms of their starters, but they also have, I think, one of if not the worst. No, it's like uh, I think the third worst bullpen in all of baseball. Um, Which makes sense given like their closers, you know, Alex Colomay, Aaron Bummer, you know, those types, like while they're fine, like they're not, there's nobody that's like a super high skilled reliever um, in that bullpen. And then I think with the Royals and the Tigers, like their, their pitching's just awful top to bottom, um, you know, both with the, with the starters and the, and the bullpen. I do think the Tigers have some potential, you know, Matt Boyd, I'm a Daniel Norris and, um, Uh, and Turnbull fans so I do think that those guys could take a little bit of a step forward but just going by the projections you know this is the division that you want to have hitters in especially on the Twins Indians and the White Sox
1: you look at the bullpens and how bad they are the Orioles have one to 1.5 better war than three teams in the central Mm -hmm. that is uh it says a lot speaks volumes to how bad these guys are uh, it's like the KBO bullpens, so just uh, the starters do it, do, do the best you can and we'll try to hang on to it for you. <laughs> so it's uh this is, this is pretty, pretty bad looking at this. And you look at the Royals, like, you know, Kennedy, like you mentioned, um, he can get traded. Uh, the Tigers, they're probably not going to get rid of Jimenez. He's locked in, but what else do they really have there in the bullpen? There could be even more moving parts on these teams that makes them really, really bad. Maybe Boyd gets traded from the Tigers like the Yankees. And now that rotation's even worse than before. So, uh, yeah, lots to like when it comes to um, the hitting in the AL Central for sure. Uh, pitching wise, it's the Indians. It's it's, it's kind of interesting that they're only like they're less than one full war ahead of the Twins because you think Clevenger, Bieber, Carrasco would get quite the bump over, say, Barrios, Otorizzi, and Maeda. But there is some love there. Maybe it's because of the Plutko Rodriguez part, like you mentioned, that kind of um, differentiates that. The White Sox have the potential, it's just a matter of can the young guys put it together. To make it interesting, but yeah, it's it's definitely a um, a hitting division outside of a couple big big arms, and it makes you wonder when we talk like bullpens when all this comes, do we even want closers in the AL Central outside of maybe the Twins and the Indians because there's so much volatility on the other three teams? we even bother? Well, did we? We weren't really bothering for the most part before, but White Sox, Royals, Tigers, like I had him and as I had Kennedy in a lot of spots because they're cheap. Looking at this kind of setup, is it really worth it? Because you know, 82 games. They win 25 to 30 games. How many do they actually save? That's a a discussion we'll have to have at another time, I guess. But it, it's going to be an interesting way to to break it all down. But yeah, get the bats ready. What bats are you looking for in this AL Central? Because the pitching is, uh, yeah, not too great.
2: Yeah, I mean one one thing too about the pitchers. Like I'm noticing the Indians and the Twins. You know, Twins will have Rich Hill in there, um, but. True. You know, the Indians are all righties, too. So when you're thinking about lefty-righty splits, um, and the Twins will probably only have one lefty. There's only six uh, lefties projected to be in the the starting rotations, although I I don't have Rich Hill in there right now because Roster Resource doesn't, but that would make seven, so it wouldn't be as skewed that way. Uh, I mean, when I think about hitters, like obviously the White Sox have an incredibly deep um, lineup. I think some of those top-end guys, I'm a big Jose Ramirez fan if I am taking... Um, a stolen base guy, um, you know. Early, uh, if I if I am taking offensive player in the first two rounds, and I'm towards the back end of that of, of the first, then you know, Jose Ramirez is a guy who's pretty enticing. I think um, in that situation, obviously Lindor, all those guys benefit, but all those guys that are on the mar- the margins, right? Like, so your Cesar Hernandez is your guys like that. I think get a little bit of a boost being able to focus you know, being able to play more of their games in these particular, uh, in this particular division. Um, The Twins are obviously going to rake. I think they've got every opportunity to just be just a dominant offense, um, top to bottom. The White Sox also have depth. And that's one thing about the pitching is there are some, you know, you do get the Royals and the Tigers, obviously, but you also get, you know, the White Sox, you get the Indians, you get the Twins. I'd say those are all fairly good lineups, you know? And so that's just one thing to consider, uh, as well. Yeah. With, you know, with the white Sox, you know, I love, I love Johan Moncada, obviously I think Eloy Jimenez is primed to take a big step forward. I love Tim Anderson as well. So I think there's no reason why I'm going to have, you know, less love for those guys than maybe I did, um, you know, before the divisions were announced.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think, uh, Loading up on these Twins, Indians, and White Sox guys that we've pretty much already been on to begin with stands out even more in this kind of setup where they get to focus on some really bad pitching. You're facing, the again, like you're facing the, the Tigers and the Royals 12 to 13 times each. That's, let's say, just say 26 games for to make it simple. That's a large chunk of your season right there. So that uh, helps out in a big, big way. And plus that White Sox rotation has a lot of question marks in it as well. So definitely those Indians and Twins, and then the White Sox could have some fun with the bats there. And um, it is interesting. Rich Hill will be there, but that's a heavy heavy righty Twins rotation that uh, could help out, like the, like you said, the J-Rams and the Cesar Hernandez's and others. And on the twin side of it, you know, expanded rosters. You got Eddie Rosario. You got Kepler. Maybe Jake Cave gets some action there. Get some of those lefties going. Uh, anything to get Jake Cave some action would make me so happy. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> they, they just don't want to unleash the beast that is Jake Cave. But – uh Maybe sooner than later. Let's go to the NL Central, where we talked about good pitching in the AL Central for a couple teams, like starting rotation-wise. The Central's a little more balanced for the most part. Still a couple bad teams there, but uh, the the heavy hitters, better uh, better starters, overall bullpens, Yeah. But uh, what's your takes on this uh, NL Central pitching?
2: Yeah, I think you, you nailed it. I, I think it's pretty balanced. Nobody really jumps out as being a dominant pitching staff. Um, you know, but there's nobody that's really bad. I mean, the worst is the Pirates with eleven point one war. You know, they're starters. Um, but I think there's a case to be made that they could be they could take a jump. You know, obviously Joe Musgrove is a guy that, you know, um I've I've loved for a little while. I think you you love this year, am I right?
1: I am starting to buy in on him, yes. You're, I love okay. I, I love I love a lot of the Pirates pitchers. That's why I'll let you back in a second. I think out of all the rotations we'll talk about. This might be one of the ones that we could see one of the biggest changes in this stat because there's so much upside here, the way they're changing mm-hmm. philosophy and everything. This one could be sneaky.
2: Yeah, absolutely. that That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, because Musgrove, he takes that step forward we've been waiting for. Chris Archer, obviously with the change in his pitch mix towards the end of last year where he ditched the sinker, he was just a totally different pitcher. We don't know if that's going to continue, but you could definitely see him taking a step forward as well. He's already been an all-star before Trevor Williams is just kind of blah, but then you have Mitch Keller who I'm not a fan of, but I know you're a big fan of and a lot of really smart people are a fan of as well. And so like, um, you know, you could see him taking a huge step forward and you've articulated exactly why on previous podcasts. Um, Steve Brault is a guy that I actually like kind of, he was injured. I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing he'll be back when the season starts. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, so I could see that how that rotation could be a lot better, and that's kind of the worst in in the division. And then you have like kind of the Cubs, who are okay, but really, I mean, it's Darvish and Hendricks because Lester's mm-hmm. not really that good anymore. Quintana's not not really that good, and Chatwood or Mills. I mean, I kind of like I like Alec Mills a lot, but you know, they're they're definitely not sure things. Cardinals are pretty solid, but you know, again, like. They have Flaherty. They have Mikolas. Carlos Martinez is a big question mark. Dakota Hudson isn't anything to write home again. About Adam Wainwright isn't really something to write home again, Home about like you know so and that's five righties too. So they could be really uh, you know beneficial for some lefty heavy lineups. The Reds are also solid. You know Castillo, Bauer. Who knows what we're going to get there? Sonny Gray as well. Then you got Descalfani who a lot of people like as well. Wade Miley. They've obviously got the driveline connection, so they're pretty solid. The Brewers, like, you know, you don't think they're that good, but I kind of like some of their guys, and they've got the the best bullpen in all of baseball by war. So, you know, they've got Woodruff, they've got Hauser, they've got Brett Anderson, who's not good for sure. But then they've got uh, Limblom and then Lauer, who's a guy I like. And they don't have to go deep in games because they have Hayter, they've got Knievel coming back. They've got some really nice arms in that bullpen, and they've always been able to get out more. From their arms than a lot of other guys, and so you know, I, I think overall, like the NL Central, nobody blows you away. They don't necessarily have like one of those Yankees, Dodgers, or Rays lineups, but there aren't necessarily any major weak wink, link, weak links there either. So I think it's kind of just kind of kind of my you know. But I think having the uh, the opportunity to play the AL Central definitely boosts some of the some of the hitters, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit. What do you what do you think about them?
1: Oh, yeah, you're 100%. The, uh, the big boost is getting to play that AL Central. I, I think we you've nailed that that's the uh, the target so far. But, yeah, the Cubs, it's interesting. Everyone's in love with the Cubs, and I, I understand part of it. But um, I guess we'll have to see what David Ross wants to do with that expanded roster because I really don't see a full season where you can just run Tyler Chatwood out there. You can't let him eat up innings in a shortened season. Like 162 games, okay, we've got to have a guy take the fall and let our bullpen rest. That happens. You can't do with this now. So there could be a lot of mixing and matching there, which would be interesting. The Cardinals, it's not sexy. Like Flaherty's Flaherty. Mikulas, I'm starting to buy into more just for the effect that we want kind of the reliable innings as we as we continue to kind of talk about these. So many question marks, uh, loaded benches, more chances to pull the hook. Mikulas does eat innings. It's not like flashy innings. I've always complained about his strikeout upside, but he's more of a compiler because he does so much. You've kind of sold me on that and so have others. And at his price tag right now, I have to at least acknowledge that situation. Carmark question mark. Hudson benefited so much from that defense behind him. So there, there, there's a lot of interesting facets there. But the Reds are sneaky nice, obviously. And I 100% agree with the Brewers. Like Woodruff, I like a lot. Hauser, I really like that sinker. If he can keep locating that sinker, that power sinker he's got going on there, that could be awesome. Allower, like you've talked about, the, the increased velo, and then I like Limblum. I, I might just be crazy. I know he came up from the KBO. We haven't really seen him in the bigs, but I, I'm buying into the changes. Like we've seen it time and time again. Now with these guys coming over, something clicks. And the biggest factor, I think, like you said, is their bullpen is so good. You got Freddy Peralta. If things get bad, he can come in early and give you three or four innings. They have a bunch of guys they can do that with. Uh, Craig Council is phenomenal at doing that. So two ways to look at that. They have a really good rotation and these guys can be nice. At the same time, they could get a quick hook. And fantasy-wise, it could burn us. So that's something we're going to have to pay attention to when things get closer. Um, teams like that. That's why I go back to like my Mikolas comment. For the most part, he's going to get you six innings or so, which is going to be, it sounds silly, tremendously huge this season. Like, really huge. And uh, that, that's something that I'm starting to kind of factor in a little more here. We're like a Lindblom, a Lauer. Some of these guys who, if they're just struggling a little bit, counsel can pull the quick, the quick plug and go. To someone else. That's something we have to keep in mind. And then I'm with you on the Pirates. We've talked about them. Any sleeper episode, any ADP episode, we've talked Pirates pitching. We we, we love the idea there. We like the baby Blue Jay bats. We like the Pirates pitching. That's kind of our thing uh, for the most part. But uh, speaking of bats, what are you looking at there in the NL Central? Because I kind of blabbered on about the good and the bad. But there are some bats to like here.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think it's not, you know, looking at the, the, the pitching – that they're going to be facing, it, is, it definitely isn't the worst situation at all. And then I think when you look at like the Cubs, like a guy that I've liked, obviously I've talked about and I know you like, like a Kyle Schwarber, you know, he misses two of the lefties, two of the six lefties that are in the division. You know, so only four on the remaining team. So there's not a lot of lefties, um, and I think is one important thing to remember. So left-handed hitters in the division, you know, maybe outside of the Cardinals are, 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 in, are in decent shape um, when it comes to that. Um, yeah, I just think it's overall like mediocre. I don't think anybody necessarily gets uh, a massive boost, um, at all. I think the boost comes obviously when they play the AL central because, you know, the only rotation that really worries you again over there is, is having to face Kevin, Clevenger, Bieber and, and Carrasco. And so if you can miss that only, you know, one or two of those guys, when you face them, it's not as big of a deal. So overall, I think it's a pretty you know, I call the NL Central is just kind of the, the blah division because I don't think there's anybody who gets a, that much of a bump. I don't think there's anybody who gets that much of a, you know, uh, a decline in their value because of they're their in this division. But overall, just kind of solid doesn't really a- impact anybody too much.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot. Of, I like the term the blah division because it kind of is. It's like, this is one of those divisions where you're going to see maybe a week of just like pitchers duels. And then there's like two days of home run derby and then more pitchers duels. There's going to be... Go no, like rhyme or reason to these divisions. <laughs> it's going to be really weird where you can like literally look at a the AL Central and be like, okay, the twins are playing the the Tigers for three and the Royals for three. I want every twins bat on the face of the planet. Like that's just the way it's going to go. And it's going to be different in the NL Central. I'm with you hundred percent there. There's going to be goods, the bads. You got you know, you got great American small park. You got Miller park to hit in, which will help. Maybe get Wrigley when the wind's blowing out. That's always a big plus, but then you might get Wrigley when the wind's blowing in St. Louis isn't the best park to, uh, Hit in. Same with PNC. So it's, it's not like the ballparks help you a ton either. Um, like, And then you also said benefiting when they face the bottom half of the AL Central. That's going to be tremendous. But the other factor you mentioned, you know, for Schwarber, the only six lefties in the division and two of them are on the Cubbies. If you look at the Central as a whole, right now we have 12 total lefties. That's the lowest out of the three divisions. So something else to think about, I mm. guess, if you're, if you're planning that. And then you go know, factor in Rich Hill. Those, that gives them 13, and they're still – The lowest by a couple so gives you something to maybe think about when you're planning ahead but again we're going to do a lot more planning ahead when we get something final because the biggest thing i think is finding out the expanded rosters and uh, finding out exactly who might make their roster because that's going to make flexibility pretty wild in those scenarios
2: Mm -hmm. well and 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 that's a great point you just made and you think about guys who might benefit from that like a jesse winker you know, a lot of people are excited about the DH, but he could be a guy who benefits from both the DH and the lack of lefties overall in the division. Tremendous. Um, you know, so that's that's kind of interesting just to think about who who some of those hitters might be. I mean, thinking about like the Brewers, for instance, they've got two of the lefties. So, you know, maybe that's a benefit for Justin Smoke, you know, because he's gonna get more opportunities uh to play first base. Um yeah, I just think, you know, it's 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 definitely a, uh, an interesting factor just to consider. Again, like, I think with all of this, it's not that this should be the overriding factor of why you like a guy or not, but we're looking for those kind of slight margins of, of value that we can find, either increases or decreases, you know, and, and I think you can see some of them, like you just pointed out here in the Central.
1: Yeah, no, anytime we get more Jesse Winker time,
2: let's get more Jesse Winker time. For Give sure. the man the
1: respect he deserves. Um, but that, that's something to look at because, well, Justin Smoke, I don't have 18, ADP up, but he's going around 250, 300, maybe later. Like little, little yeah, I think things he's like, like 350,
2: 400, something like that. Yeah, probably. something
1: crazy. So like you said, we've, we've broken them down in the past. Like you look at the X stats, the dude is underachieved quite a bit. It just takes one little hot spell, especially in a shortened season, where that becomes tremendous. Maybe Matt Carpenter all of a sudden shows up as a DH, doesn't have to play defense. Who knows? Little things to look at there. And and, and one
2: thing what you just said just made me think of too is, you know, and obviously this is like pretty straightforward and everybody's probably thinking of it, but some of these older guys who maybe wear down a little bit as the season goes on, Mm -hmm. they may not run into those same types of slumps in the shortened season. Obviously everybody needs to come in in shape and stuff like that, but the grind of a 78 and 81 game season versus a full season for a guy who's in their early to mid thirties, late thirties, in some cases, even these days, like. That could be a big, a big, um, a big, I guess, lack of negative value for those old, older guys like Smoke.
1: Yeah, no, it could be tremendous. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun to see how everyone shows up. To uh, as Jeff Erickson, I'll steal it from him because he said we can use it. Summer training, which will be coming summer up. Summer training, so <laughs> that'll be fun. That's good. Um, let's head west. Let's go to our neck of the woods here, the AL West. This is a an interesting division. Like, the Mariners aren't going to be great. I think they'll be a little better than people think, but they're still – like, you look at that rotation, like, you're going to talk about it. It's still not pretty. But the rest of the division is quite interesting. The Astros luck out, obviously, because there's going to be no boobirds in the stands – yeah. But all in all, it could be a lot of fun here. What's your take when you look at the AL West?
2: Do you think the other teams are just going to boo them instead, just to make Let's, sure that they get they get what they they? May, they maybe instead driven? of
1: like maybe instead of like walk up music, it's just booze for everybody. Yeah. Like, like 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 crowd noise, booze that could be fun.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing that actually jumped out at me about the AL West was the Rangers. The Rangers. And Astros have pretty much identical rotations when it comes to projected WAR by zips, around fifteen projected WAR for each one, um, which you you think is kind of surprising. But and then the A's as well. I mean, there's some like you know your your Mariners hitters. I would not be a huge fan of like Mariners hitters. Not that you were to begin with. But, you know, the Rangers, they have Kluber, Minor, Lynn, Gibson, Lyles. You can think what you want about, you know, like Kluber. Like, obviously, he's a big wild card there. But I think if you're looking for, like, a really strong end of the rotation, I mean, a Gibson Lyles, like, uh, you know, I've never been a huge Lyles fan, but he did do better last year. We've heard rumblings from Joey Gallo and others that it's going to play as a pitcher's park there, you know, now with the temperature control. Um with the Rangers' new home park. And so, like, you know, that's a it's a pretty deep rotation, and it's solid. And when you add that in, it wasn't necessarily something I was expecting. You have the Rangers with a solid, you know, starting pitching staff, a decent bullpen as well. You have the Astros having a good, um, you know, one of the three best kind of pitching staffs in the game, even after losing Cole. You know, they still have Arkady. They still have McCullers. They still have James, who they can kind of throw in there as well. And then the A's. The A's are very good as well. They, I mean, Fires isn't that great, but he's fine. is fine. Montes is good. Lazardo looks great. Puck could be great as well. And I think more than anything, they have an outstanding defense. And they just pe- they they play like, I don't know if it if it measures out this way, but that's the park that I want my pitchers pitching in. You know, like oh, definitely. It just strikes me as just being so hitter-friendly. And every pitcher that goes there seems to just be so much better than they were before. Um, and then the angels are kind of hit and miss, you know, Heaney could be good, but has never really gotten there. Bundy could be good, but hasn't really gotten there. Canning, if he's healthy, could be good, but we still don't know. Then you got to Heron, Sandoval and Andrees, who are all kind of wild cards, I think, and not very good. So, you know, if you, if you have a hitter on the angels or the Mariners, there's some pretty decent pitching. I think you're going to be facing, um, over there in the the AL West, at least. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I just think overall, the surprising thing for me was the Rangers. But I think there's just, you know, uh, three really solid uh, pitching staffs there. And then you have the Angels, and then you have the Mariners way behind them. So just kind of an interesting dynamic there, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I I think that Rangers one does stand out quite a bit. Like when you Sit back and look at it. Like you're saying, it makes sense. Kluber, if he takes, you know, gets back to closer to the Kluber of old. Tremendous minor resort But like Lynn, Gibson, Lyles, those are three guys I've targeted in drafts. So I think they're all values where they're getting drafted. Um, you know, you don't set the bar super high for a Gibson or a Lyles, but where you're taking them, you can see them returning value. So that's tremendous, especially in that ballpark. can't remember who I was chatting with on Twitter the other day. Because there's a lot of people kind of saying, well, Joey Gallo, you know, maybe he's just fibbing because how do we know how the ball's really going to play there, so on and so forth. It's still going to be warm regardless. And I kind of started relating it to, okay, I agree. I could see it being kind of like Arizona, like Chase Field. So why don't they just put a humidor in now? Just do it now. Mm -hmm. Just get it done with. And if they put a humidor in Texas, then I'm 100% thinking these pitchers are going to thrive. So that is something I want to still keep an eye on there because – Everything screams the same as an Arizona play. still going to be hot outside, still temperature controlled. You can open the roof or close the roof, all in play. So that's something that to to, uh, to keep an eye on there with Rangers. But it is interesting, starters war is identical to the Washington Nationals. Their bullpen better than the Nationals. I bet you if you put a trivia question up there, no one would have guessed that. Just put it out there because uh, that, that wouldn't have stood out, especially the bullpen, because that's what's really catching my attention. I, I agree. I can, I can see the starters. You look at that bullpen. I know you're a Leclerc guy, which I I'm not I don't have a problem with. But after that, Rafael Montero, Brett Martin, Jesse Chavez, Jolie Rodriguez, Nick Goody, Jonathan Hernandez, Luke Farrell. You could pull all of the fantasy experts on Twitter. They might name you two other guys. They will not name you that that set of bullpen. And it is better than the doolittle Hudson's of the Nationals. So stuff like that stood out to me. Pretty pretty interesting looking at that. Uh, other stuff like you mentioned, Mariner's. Man, I, I don't mind Marco Gonzalez where he's getting drafted, but still a tough division to, group of hitters to pitch against. And uh, he's not, like, flashy. He's kind of like a lefty Mikelis, but maybe it's slightly worse because he's on a worse team. But a lot of similarities there innings-wise. Uh, and then the rest of them's kind of a bleh, What's going to happen there? Uh, Houston's Houston. I, I still have faith in Verlander, Granke for sure. See what they pair with. A's. The A's are kind of like the Brewers of the AL. Not the flashiest of names. Guys that can pitch very well. And if not, they have depth. So that's going to be tremendous for them. They can yank them, put guys in play. Um, Puck might you know, like guys like AJ Puck might only go like four innings and outing, but they're tremendous. And then the Angels, I'm 100 percent with you. I don't trust. I, I like Bundy. I like him a lot. I think he's got fantasy viability. But you're also not going to be shocked if he gets blown up against the Astros or the Rangers or something, or even the A's. Um Tehran, I just never trust. If you have a lefty heavy lineup, he's done. And the other guys, they're, like can Heaney stay healthy? Sandoval, strikeout stuff's good, but he's got no control. Lots of question marks with the Angels, so I'm with you there. It's a very interesting set of pitchers, though. That's for sure. Kind of a. Do you think that it's better than the AL East pitching, or does it kind of feel similar?
2: Um, than the AL East, you said. Yeah. Um, I think it's better. Okay. I think it's just yeah. I mean, I, the AL East is just so top heavy. I mean, the Rays are the Rays and and Yankees are just so good. You know, the Yankees and Astros are pretty similar just by war, but you know, two eighteen plus teams, and then you have the 23rd. So yeah, it's just deeper, I think.
1: No, that makes a ton of sense. What are you looking at when it comes to the hitters in the AL West?
2: Well, one thing that 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 I was thinking about too is that um, you know, the Mariners have three lefties projected right now, and I think they're pretty much locks in there, like with Gonzalez, with Kikuchi, with Sheffield. And so that's one thing to consider, especially if you think about the Angels, like their one opportunity to go up against kind of weaker uh, pitching, theoretically, is the Mariners. And so some of the lefties on the on the, the Angels, you know, your Tommy LaStella, your Brian Goodwin, guys who are, who might be part of a platoon in that particular situation. And I I hate to say the LaStella thing after seeing uh, our good friend Yancey Eaton, <laughs> you know, mention that LaStella was his most owned guy, but if you think about like the opportunities to really take advantage. And again, like this is really kind of going pretty granular here. So, but I, I do think that could be, that could be an issue depending on how they line up against the Mariners. I mean, Graveman, I think, and and Walker to a lesser extent, but Graveman might be like the worst pitcher there just because he's never, I mean, he's always pitched and he's never been good. Like he's just always been shelled. Um, and so, you know, so, so obviously like, you know, that maybe those are tiebreakers that I would look at, like things like that Um, just because I do think it's pretty decent pitching there. And then when you go over to the, you know, we'll get over there in a second, but you know, the Dodgers have four lefties, you know, in their rotation, and that's who they're going to be going up against on the other end. And so they're just, you know, in a, in, in a, in a season of 81 games, you know, you know, eight to 10 games where your guy's not in because there's a lefty starter or, You're not as confident in his production because there's a lefty starter. That's a pretty big deal.
1: Mm -hmm. That's tremendous. And that's what's kind of fun about looking at this and getting kind of our first dig in on this stuff. But yeah, the guys on the Angels are going to face that big time. Uh, You mentioned the Angels have the three or the the Mariners have three lefties. You got to love what that does for that Astros lineup. Love them or hate them. Altuve, Mm -hmm. Bregman, Correa, Springer. Like, my goodness, what they could do to those three lefties. You get all three of them in one series, that could be um, scary. Short porch and left, left field in Houston, that could be very, very scary. So, stuff along those lines. Like, I think when you look when we talk lefties, you know, Lazardo and Puck, they might be kind of better in lefties. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, he and we've seen be that way, but not consistently. So it's not like we're just like there's the Mariners lefties and there's kind of the other lefties in the division. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of a, a weird way to look at it. But, uh, yeah, lots of uh, – a lot of teams, you know, we point to the Mariners, but the Astros are good with Verlander and Granky or Keeney McCullers' James could be good. That's all righties. So now you start throwing these teams in with the lefties, like a Shohei Otani all of a sudden, you know, maybe he gets a full week against the Astros. That's, that's big-time stuff. I like could really be huge depending on how you're using him with your team – um, like the, I, everyone's going to like Joey Gallo, but you look at guys like, you know, um, Ruben and Odor, stuff like that for the Rangers, they can get bumps going into Houston. Like, Again, no one's going to want to do that kind of stuff. And I know it's not sexy. Maybe it's more of a streaming thing, but those could kind of come in handy when, when you're looking at those kind of scenarios.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Gallo shout, I don't know enough about him. You know, I don't, I don't know about enough about it. Like whether he has uh severe splits on his power, but that could certainly be like that. That's the thing about this year is those types of things are going to be really, um, really interesting. Let's see his career versus lefties. Actually, he, he hits, he's got a better batting average, which doesn't really tell us much. Yeah. he he doesn't really have splits. He's actually got a better uh, WRC plus against lefties than right. Wow. So it doesn't really work for Joey Gallo, as you were saying earlier, but um yeah, just being cognizant of those types of things, I think, are there's so many guys where they're so bunched. You know, mm-hmm. it's like once you get outside of the top, you know, whatever, 10 rounds of the draft, there's just such minimal value differences between a lot of the players that these are the types of things that can have a really big impact on who ends up getting quote unquote lucky and who gets gets quote unquote unlucky in this shortened season.
1: Yep. Yeah, who draws a short straw and who does not? That's how it's going to. This is how it's going to go this season. It's going to be pretty wild. Let's uh, wrap it up with the NL West here. Very, we know the Dodgers are the Dodgers. Let's just put it that way. They are very good, but there's some solid pitching on the uh, on this surprisingly on certain teams, not so much on others. But better than you'd expect pitching in the NL West. What do you have here?
2: Yeah, I mean the Dodgers are dodgering. Uh, outside of the Rays, who actually have a better overall pitching war than the Dodgers. Um, you know, the Dodgers are leading the pack by far in the NL West, 21.3 combined war, both a solid starters. I think they are second best to the Rays in terms of their starters. Again, you know, with uh, Stripling and uh, Tony Gonsolin, like not in the rotation right now, but easily being able to move in there. They've got a ton of depth. They've also got four lefties, which I think is critical to think about. We'll talk about that when, we, that when we get into kind of the hitting. But definitely something to be cognizant of. You know, other than that, it's kind of mediocrity and then the Giants. And then obviously, like the Rockies, their war isn't terrible, but that doesn't necessarily factoring in the course factor, right? So, you know, even though the Rockies have about the same war as the D-backs do for their overall staff, they've actually got more, you know, for their bullpen. They're pretty similar, actually, to the D-backs overall you know, they're pitching half their games in, in, um, in Coors and the war isn't necessarily taking that into consideration the same way that like a WOBA would, or, you know, something of that nature. Uh, um, so, yeah. So I just think that, um, you know, uh, the pod, like everybody's kind of solid, but not necessarily great. I think the giants are going to be bad, but there are a lot of lefties you know, I think that's one, um, that's one thing. Like there's ten lefties, four on the Dodgers, uh, two on the D backs, two on the Giants. You know, so again, when you're looking at some Rockies hitters, some Padres hitters, or maybe left-handed, I, I think those might be the guys that lose the value. But overall, like the thing is when I think about this division, like I want all the Dodgers pitchers. I mean, this is a great, I think, setup for them. Um because there's not an offense that I'm really scared of in the NL West. Um, well, we won't get into hitting. we won't get into hitting yet. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that um, you know I want all the Dodgers starters pretty much. Just give them no. to me. That's just what the guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna say that I may I may prefer getting a later first round pick. Or not later, Locker, but Bueller like sw- put, yeah, sweet Bueller, steaks. Yeah, I think Bueller, yeah. uh, his value is going to be is going to be up as a result of this, and um yeah, I just love Bueller, and then Kershaw as well. But similarly, but um, yeah, I'm 100 you know. with you.
1: I- I'm with you, B- Bueller. I told Yancy Eaton on the podcast that uh, he's my NL Cy Young winner. Like I, mm-hmm. I love, I love Bueller. Um, I know our buddy Mike Simeon, SP Streamer put out a poll a couple weeks ago about is Walker Bueller. I think he said, is he your SP three or would you, I think he said after DeGrom and Cole was he your three. And for me, he is easily. So I'm hundred percent on board with you there. And I've been on Kershaw this whole time. Like I've been, I haven't ranked a lot higher than a lot of people agree with because they think he's just old, but Hey, I agree. The backs scare me. I've talked about it many times on a season like this guys that can eat innings and be stable. Like he can, I'll take Kershaw. I definitely will. And then Alex Wood's grown on me a bit. It, it, I love David Price too, but, you know, Wood's interesting. We just gotta wonder. I think Kershaw, Bueller, Price are pretty locked in. That Urias-Wood spot, you mentioned Stripling, Gonsolin, Dustin May. There could be a lot of mixing and matching down there at the bottom. So they could dodger-dodger that whole thing up down there. That's the only concern there, so let's keep an eye on that. But otherwise, yes, Dodgers rotation might be the best one to target in the entire – would you agree, best one in the entire deal?
2: Uh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're I think they're great. And one thing about Kershaw like towards the end of last year, he kind of, it seemed like he kind of made a little bit of a switch where he started walking guys for like the first time ever. Like, you know, he's always been right around like, you know, 5% with his walk rate. That's his 3-year rolling average. He got all the way up to 7.6%, but at the same time, his K rate was at 31.1% over his last 15 starts, you know? So, and that's with the velo being down and, and it was reported to be up a little bit, you know, this year. And so just things like that are really interesting to me because the biggest drawback for him is probably the Ks, but um, you know, he's, he's a smart dude. He's a smart pitcher. He's going to be able to um, I think, figure it out. So it, it's just going to be interesting. Um, he'll be a really interesting guy to see where his value is come draft day because I could definitely, he's already up, but like you mentioned, I, I could see him shooting up even more.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm definitely with you there. And then just to round it out, the Padres, I'm not a padded guy. The rest of the rotation just doesn't do it for me um, at all. The D-backs give me all of the uh, Zach Gallon. with you there. I can see the argument for Ro- Robbie Ray, but still a lot of question marks in that rotation. Giants are Giants. Smiley's got some appeal, obviously, at his draft prize. Mm-hmm. Gossman, maybe, but the Giants are just fun because they're basically free in drafts. So mm-hmm. it gives you an idea, maybe like you said, talking about some, you know, other stuff earlier. When we see what the schedule is, see how the Giants play out the gate. Maybe they get, you know, the Padres and Rockies at home, or they, they start at home for like seven games or something. That could make things a little more interesting later in your draft of the, the team like the Giants. Now, if they start in Colorado and LA, run for Z Hills. So, just things like that. Um, And then the Rockies, never Rocky. That's just simple for me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the pitching is really easy for me. What are you seeing with the hitting in this division? Because, um, like, the Dodgers, they're going to platoon everybody. That's just the way I feel about them. There's, like, three guys that might play. They're kind of like the Rays of the West. Makes things difficult. Then the other teams, there's, you know, some pros and cons, but nothing really stands out as great except, I guess, the Rockies because they're in Coors Field.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean one thing that sticks out to me is 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 yeah, just left-handed batters. Like left-handed batters not on the Dodgers are going to face a lot of lefties. So like I'm thinking about um uh, Jake Lamb was the first person that came, that came to mind with the D-backs. So Jake Lamb when he goes against the Dodgers, he's going to face four lefties. You know, when he goes up against the Padres just one, um Giants two, Rockies one. So just a decent amount of uh just a decent amount of lefties there right and and again like in a shortened season that could have a fairly big impact like you could say the same thing about you know the rockies or padres guys right like the lefty platoons you know in those splits so daniel murphy is a guy i know a lot of people like you know and maybe he'll be healthy and he'll be able to hit lefties but they were moving him out i mean sam hilliard it pains me to say that but He's going to go up against two lefties on the Giants, two lefties on the D-backs, one on the Padres, four on the Dodgers. You know, that's that's a little worrisome. So, you know, David Dahl, something similar. You know, so just thinking about those types of things, I think, you know, with the Padres, like maybe Will Myers gets a little boost up, you know, because he's probably going to be in there, Um, you know. So it's just um, something really interesting to think about. And then you mentioned this in the last one, but again, there's a lot of lefties over in the AL West too. So there's not going to be much of a let up there necessarily. So it all depends on how they line up, but it really could hurt some strong side platoon guys in the NL West and the AL West really. Um, And so, you know, I think generally like I want to have pitchers in the NL West who aren't on the Rockies. um, And I want to have, yeah. And I want to have, um, want to have hitters in the AL Central and the AL East, you know, or even the NL Central, NL East.
1: But, yeah, no, uh, guys like Will Myers, Kevin Cron, maybe even
2: Garrett Hampson, all of a sudden get a little mm-hmm. bit of a
1: boost. So it could be quite interesting there. Uh, you kind of hinted at it real quick. I was going to ask you, um, I ranked my top three. I want to hear your top three. What three divisions are you focusing on pitching
2: the most? So I would say for pitchers, NL West for sure would be my number one. Um number two is probably man. I mean, I might go I might go AL West as well, just because I think um, you know, I think the Astros are a very good hitting team. I think the A's are a very good hitting team. I think the Angels have a very good top half of the lineup, but I don't think the Rangers have that good of an offense, and I don't think the Mariners have a very good offense either. So I might think AL West, NL West might be actually a pretty decent little jam there for pitchers. Um, and then I would probably go AL Central after that. But it depends, you know, like, because I think the Twins are a pretty fearsome lineup. I think the White Sox lineup is very deep and getting better. And I think the Indians have a very strong top half of the lineup. So if it's one of the pitchers from those guys, I kind of dig them. Um But yeah, those are probably the three that I would lean to. How about you?
1: I went AL West, then NL West, so we kind of switch back and forth there. But basically, we're staying out West, so that's good. Mm -hmm. And then number three, I went NL Central, just um, for I I know it's crazy, but like just the stability factors of Darvish, Hendricks, Flaherty, Mikelis, Castillo. I I trust. Yes, Um, being like the the Brewers pitchers you talked about and the Pirates pitchers are a better upgrade. Than expected. But uh so I went in a central there. But I think in the third spot, there's a lot of arguments that could be made. But I'm, I'm a, in agreement with you that the West is the way to start things out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those hitters in the West, like there just isn't a lineup that scares me. The only lineup that scares me is the Dodgers and then the Rockies at home. You know, like those are, that's it. Like Rockies on the road are going to be god awful. The Giants are going to be god awful. The D backs could be pretty good. Like they always squeeze the most out of it. Padres could be okay. But they don't really like send you know shivers down my spine or anything like that, but yeah.
1: What about for hitting? What are your top three divisions?
2: Uh, top three would be L Central, AL East. Um, again, it depends on the teams, but give me all the Yankees hitters. Not a mm-hmm. surprise. No cutting edge uh, analysis there. And then I think probably the NL East, maybe.
1: We are 100% identical. I went AL yeah. Central, AL East, NL East. That's exactly where I was sitting as well. So. Yeah. We are on the same page there, but
2: uh we'll you definitely want to know dig it. Cuz cuz we're both brilliant. Well, yeah. Raymond thinks it. a lot, think, bright minds think alike. I mean, we got it. I'll work with that. Uh, I I, <laughs> I can
1: live with that. Um but we will definitely talk more about this stuff and hopefully by the time we talk next Monday there is something set in stone. Um, which will let us keep going. But for the most part, when we get baseball, it's most likely going to be three divisions like this. We're going to get the Universal DH. We've covered that the last two shows. Once we get more details, we'll really start to fine-tune it and get you going because we'll all have a lot more energy and excitement to uh, have some real baseball to get going. But before we wrap up tonight, we got a few listener questions for you. Our buddy Dave Petros Yellow is back at it again, and he asks Toby, Will a shortened season give the Nats more urgency to make the right choice between Voth and Ross? Seems like they wanted Ross to win because they invested a lot of time in him. Shortened season doesn't provide that luxury. I know you're an Austin Voth guy. Do you think the shortened season helps him more than Ross?
2: I think, I think Dave wants us to answer yes. <laughs> That's, what it feels That's what I'm like. going to say. I'm going to say yeah. yes, absolutely. I mean, I just think Voth is a much better pitcher. Joe Ross has never really been good. I mean, he obviously has more pedigree than Voth does, but he's at a pretty similar age. I think they're both 27, you know, and, you know, yeah. I mean, Ross was last good in 2016. His ERA over the last three seasons, 5, 5, 501, 506, 548. Last year, his walk rate was 11.2%. No, know, again, like, he was injured, so part of it's that. But, I mean, even his ATC projection is 4.7, you know? His bat is 5.07. His steamers 4.76. Like, there's nothing that really points to him being better in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't have the same repertoire. He doesn't have anything. And and so, um, you know, the one thing that I would say is, yeah, I'm like, ATC has Voth at 4.36, for his projection. I won't. I won't give you the bat projection because it's clearly wrong on him. Um, but no. But the one. The one thing that does worry me a little bit, and not really, but is the expanded rosters now. Like one of the reasons why Voth. There's a lot of pressure on the Nats to make a decision about him because he has zero options left, and so does Ross. So if they didn't make the rotation, yes, they could go to the bullpen, but it could. They could be trade candidates. And now with the expanded rosters, there's that not as much pressure. But I think either way Voth is going to pitch and Ross is going to pitch and I think starts this year just be just given like the nature of the season and 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 what's happening.
1: Yeah, no I'm with you. I, it's got to be uh Voth time because they they got to rock and roll with the best they got. So I'm I'm with you there and he's the better pitcher. Just like you said. So I'm 100% on board. Let's go to our good old buddy Cody McDonald at Do. Um he has two questions. First one. If you had to give up all of your current leagues, except one, which one would you keep? Oh man.
2: That's, uh, tough. that's really tough, you know, because it's like, I'm a, I, I, you know, I, what I'll say is I I keep doing the main event, you know, the main event leagues are just, um, you know, that's like the Holy grail. That's what you want. Like, like my goal as a fantasy baseball player is to win the main event. Like that's what I would love to do. Like that's, that's the goal um, it's they're incredibly difficult leagues it takes the grinding I really like the format a lot so I would stick with that but damn it's it would be hard to give up such fun leagues like barf right yep. like mm-hmm. and the drafts where we get to meet each other all the time and that's it's hard to have to choose between like you know the the uh, because those are like those are the days that I look forward to right is like yep. is drafting with everybody in Barf obviously I was gonna go to the live events for the main event uh, this year, that would have been, I'm sure, a blast as well. I just love all those guys. Everybody, for different reasons, right, has been super meaningful in my own just uh, development as a fantasy analyst, List the opportunities that, you know, Justin has given, you know, me to to play and then partnering with you and, like, getting to know Sammy and um, other guys. Like, it's just been great all around to, like, do that. Um and so it'd be really hard to give up that one too. And I love TGFBI as well. I love my Dynasty League too. I love all the leagues <laughs> I'm in. That's why I'm in the leagues. But if I had to hold on to one, it would probably be the main. And I'd just force everybody else to also join and go to the line of live events too. Um, so yeah, that's question one.
1: Yeah, for me, it's tough because I'm not in the main or anything. So it was between BARF and TGFBI for me. And at TGFBI because I love having the best, like all the analysts there and having the overall. It's... I love the aspect, but I think I'm going to pick Barf just because, A, I know everybody in the league. You get the live draft. It's a year after year with the same group. So you're building the camaraderie, which makes like – we all started fantasy usually with a home league. This is kind of like a home league now. So I'm going to go with Barf. That uh, that would be the one I want to keep. Like going to the rec room and drafting live is one of the – like it's a long day. The live baseball <laughs> draft is a long day.
2: It is a long day, especially but, for uh, us traveling
1: Yeah, hours. It's a long, hours. long day. But it's probably one of the most fun days of the entire year. So it's, it's, I wouldn't give it up. Like, there's a reason we make Absolutely. the trip. Like, so, um, I'm going to go with Barf. That's the one I'm going to keep, but it's very tough, but it'll help me. What's your number two? What's one league you want into more than any other?
2: Huh. Um, I, I don't know. This is kind of a tough one. I think my answer is two things. I mean, obviously, like, you want to play against the best. So I think playing in some of the like tout leagues, I think that yep. that would be, That would be absolutely phenomenal. Um, Smada, who, uh, bless his heart, like he tried to start a campaign to get me into into Tout Wars. I think just single-handedly just being like, you know, you should really get in there. And uh, that was uh, super kind of him to do that. But I know that a lot of times you have to be kind of connected to a a different, to like an organization or a a site, a big site or something like that um, to participate. So I understand that. The other one is like I'm in one dynasty league, and I've really enjoyed that. It's a great group of folks. There's some great people in there, uh, including Smada, like a number of other folks um, who are who are just fantastic. But I'd also maybe love to be in a second a league as well, and just like um, again, like the league that I'm in right now is highly competitive. So just having another highly competitive, deep dynasty league, I really enjoy, you know, kind of just the different elements that that are that come into the equation in those leagues. So I could see myself adding one of those in the future if it was with the, with the right people. Um, So those are the two leagues I think, you know, of course I can't give one answer ever, but like those are the leagues that I think I would be most interested in joining.
1: Yeah. For me, it was, you know, tout labor, something like that. And I'm picky. So I want the mixed one. Like I just, yeah. I, I just, I don't know if I have the, like, I, I, I know I have faith in myself. I put my mind to it. I can play in the mono leagues. I don't, I'm confident in that. I'd rather not. Let's just put it that way. I, I give you the mix, but if whatever it takes to get my foot in the door, cool. I, I'll, we'll make it work. But outside of that, cause you know, we have TGFBI and that, that uh, is our way of playing the kind of in a tower wars in theory. Mm-hmm. So um for me, it's similar to your number one, but I want to play in the main event. That's something mm-hmm. that I want to play in very badly. Timing is not good right now, so that's just uh, that's one major reason why I'm not playing and stuff like that, but one day I will play in the main event, and that's the one I want to play in more than anything, because A, all you guys are there, which would be awesome to go spend the weekend in Vegas and draft and do all that fun stuff, but also, like you said, it's pretty much a, a lot of the room is the best of the best, so I would, uh, I would definitely like to play in the main event. That would be on top of my list.
2: Well, you'll get there, because I know you're doing some qualifiers, I think, so... Oh, yeah, we're doing it the fun way. I'm trying to prove my point to them. You're going to do it.
1: <laughs> so we're going to have some fun. Um, and I'm going to play some more once we get something finalized here. Um, and then our last question is from Mr. SP Streamer himself, Michael Simeone, uh, who apparently, Mike, he did not listen to the last episode.
2: I'm just going to throw that we out did there. He not listen to the um, last episode. Why are we answering his question then? Well, I, mean, I don't know. You I'm I'm, he's, he's should on my be poc- punishing him. Yeah, well, he's on my way. podcast Wednesday. I'll punish him live,
1: so it'll be fun. Oh, um, nice. Who are you most excited about when it comes to the NL having a DH
2: and why is it Kevin Cron?
1: We kind of hit on this last week, Mike, but uh, Toby, do you have any ones that stand out off the top of your head?
2: Oh man, I got to go to the show notes uh, from last week. I don't know if we have them anymore. Um, no, I don't. really do like uh, Will Myers um, a lot. I think I had him um, at the top of my list um, last week. So I'm going to lean, uh, I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean into the Will Myers. Obviously, the batting average isn't great, but I do think the power and speed uh, could still be there, and he was much better in the second half. I think this really frees him up um, to be his best self, if you will. Um, So I'm going to go with him, and I'm just going to provide one answer this time.
1: Um, Well, A, that's not on brand, so I'm not happy about that. No, I'm just kidding. But, Uh um, yes, now I have to – I was going to give a couple. Now i got to give one. No, no, you can
2: give more. No, me Whoa. only giving one is not, is <laughs> you got to give more because I normally give more because I can't stop talking.
1: Well, it's like hard because I, could, I can make arguments for so many, like we talked about last week. Um, if I'm going to pick just one, I'm going to go with Jesse Winker. I'm going to go there. I think mm-hmm. it's a great spot, especially the more we talked about the righty heavy centrals in theory. I think that could be tremendous for Jesse Winker, who is an on base machine. If you're playing in OBP shorten leagues, Jesse Winker's your dude. So. Have fun with that. And he's got some serious pop that uh, just doesn't get appreciated enough. So let's go Jesse Winker. I'm going to go with one dancer, Jesse Winker.
2: Love it. That's actually the second guy I was thinking about. So
1: Perfect. Great minds again. See? There yeah, we go. We Brilliant. Great
2: minds think alike.
1: Yep. But on that note, Toby, we're going to wrap up Bubba and the Batflip 39. Any final thoughts for the listeners?
2: No. Thanks for sticking with us. I know you put out like a, a thank you to folks who have kind of supported you and listened to you to the podcast both ours and then all the other great ones that you do as well. Um, So just a shout out to everybody who's kind of listened through this. Hopefully we have baseball. One thing I did want to plug is that the pitcher list pitch con is happening this week, starting Thursday, the lineup looks phenomenal. I mean, there's just an amazing number of presentations and panels yourself included about podcasting that just seem really, really great. Like a great opportunity to learn. So I'm going to try to tune into those. I'm doing a presentation um, on Saturday at two Eastern, eleven a.m. Pacific time, about just kind of sharing a little bit about my process on um, how I identify potential, you know, unexpected fantasy contributors. So it's kind of the process that helped me last year identify Lucas Giolito early, Hunter Dozier early, the year before that Max Muncie early. So um, hopefully, folks will tune in, listen to Baba your. Um, uh your panel that you're doing and my presentation, but would love you to just pay attention to that because it's great to support, you know, these wonderful sites like Picture List and all the terrific terrific work they're doing by um being on there and being supportive. And, and so that's the one plug that I would do.
1: No, good good point. We should have uh, plugged it out at the beginning, but uh yes, go check out PitchCon. I um, I can't wait to uh go on their backlog so I won't be able to listen to all of it in, in person, like live. But I'm definitely going to, you know, go on their site and listen to a lot of the stuff back because yours is going to be great. Uh, there's some other ones I've already heard. They're all going to be great, but there's something like, I've, I got circled already because I've heard little blurbs about them and I'm intrigued and that just probably means they're all going to be awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. You said you're on Saturday. I am at seven Eastern four Pacific on Friday night, myself, Scott Bogman and Jeff Erickson talking about podcasting and baseball. So that'll be a lot of fun. It's kind of an open forum. I don't even know who's coordinating the event, but, uh, It'll be a fun just kind of how we do things, how we started, that kind of stuff. Uh, For those that uh, haven't heard enough Yancey Eaton podcasts about myself. So um, Uh, that'll be be a lot You
2: you can't get enough, Bubba. It's impossible.
1: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of me to go around, so it works. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, PitchCon is going to be great. And you guys can go donate. uh, Look at the links on the PitcherList Twitter. And for each amount of thousands of dollars they keep going up, more and more prizes get released, that type of thing. So... Go donate. It's a great cause. You know, this, this industry has been awesome. You know, just Justin Mason's Potathon raised a ton of money. Now we got picture list. People over supporting fan graphs, like these sites need to keep going. So uh, anything you can do, big, big help. I know it's tough times. I get it. But at worst, if you can't afford to donate, don't worry. Enjoy the uh, quality stuff you're going to get to check out. So good point bringing that up, Toby. Well done. All right, everybody, that'll wrap up episode 39 of Bubba and the Batfoot. Toby is on Twitter, at BatfootCrazy. I am at BDEntrick. Catch you guys next Monday.